Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Draftcast. Coming up tonight, it's the Cats and the Power who get subjected to an extensive review by Big Footy's own draft experts, plus all the actions from the under-19s and the girls under-17s, and the latest on Big Footy's own Neil Erasmus. All that and more, coming right up. Welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Draftcast. With me tonight, I have one of the greatest minds from the Big Footy Draft and Trading Board, Pi for Life. And I also have Levi Caswell, mega fan, PM Bangers. Good evening, guys. Yeah, good good to be here. And that might be one of your best intros yet, I think. I wrote this one myself, unlike last week, where uh, I think Pi's wrote his own. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's been a, it's, how are we all, guys? Yeah, I'm great. Uh, I'm not sure whether PM Bangers is doing too well, though. No, I'm just happy that I've finally been referred to by my full name, to be honest. So we, we, we're going well and we're kicking goals in life, obviously. <laughs> so did, uh, did you guys, uh, any of you guys survive the earthquake today? Well, I mean, we are here. Like, you know, Mother Nature knew we couldn't miss this podcast. So um, she spared us just for that. As soon as I ask, I'm like, hang on, it's not the ghost of PM Bangers talking to us. No, still still talks as much rubbish as he did when he was living. Well, that's good, because someone's got to cover Geelong and uh, Port Adelaide for us today. Um, but before we get to that, uh, some news from the draft and trading front. Uh, Sam Petrovsky-Seaton, uh, or, or as I think of him, the traitor, uh, has requested a trade to Perth, guys. Um, what do we think? Uh, well, hopefully he gets a gig in the midfield. That'd be good if he gets over there. So rather than the back pocket at times. So he's no, he's got good talent. Um, he's someone I really liked at junior level. Um, can play inside out in that mid. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think Carlton are going to get what his potential is worth. So um, I think it's one of those deals that's going to work out better for both clubs because I think that. Um, over in the West, West Coast sort of had that bit of an ageing midfield, so I think that he can come in there and provide that little bit of spark and a bit more life in there. And, um, yeah, I think it'll probably end up getting done with a pick uh, involved. I know they've got, like, pick 36 or something like that, so um, might involve that, or if they have a player that Carlton's interested in that might get a chance, then perhaps they'll uh, do that. I, I yeah, think I, it... I largely... Oh, sorry. I... Sorry. I, I was just going to say, I, I largely agree. And I think um, one player that Carden might be interested in, uh, I mean, mainly because he's a tall player and we know that West Coast are happy to offload him, could be Jared Brander. So a, a straight swap there could probably uh, service both clubs pretty well. well. I don't know if Carlton would do that, though. Any, any chances could tie into the Sarah situation? I mean, three ways are pretty hard to do um, because... <laughs> There's usually a club that doesn't want to uh, come to the party. I, I could, but obviously Chera's worth a fair bit more than petrovsky Seaton based on the value that everyone gives them. So um, I think petrovsky Seaton could be better value um, for the club, for Eagles than what picking up Chera would be for Carlton considering the va- like relative costs. Um, but, I mean, it makes sense. They're probably getting Chera in to replace him and, and go straight into that midfield, though. Um 
So it could work. It depends how the WA teams will play along. Mm. And also, Jordan Dawson has requested a trade to Adelaide. Uh, yeah. how, how do we think of that? I mean, he, he was obviously wanting to go to South Australia. I think it was living costs he sort of cited. Um, and, yeah, it, obviously Adelaide have the space. It makes sense. Um, he's obviously clearly best 22. Um, so um, he, he'll probably be a, quite a good player there. Like, he'll stand out just as much. And I think uh, Port didn't really need him that much based on their... You know, defence, rebounding halfbacks. They've got so many of them. They've been pushing half of them up the field. So um, I think it, it makes sense for me. Yeah, I think uh, the issue with this one is going to be probably trade value. I think, like, personally, I, I rate Dawson really highly. Um, I think his foot skills would be up there as arguably the best in the league. So that's something that's going to be hard to replace for Sydney. But because he's out of contract, they're certainly not going to get true value for him. So... You know, I think uh, Sydney supporters are going to feel pretty stiff with this one and, and Crows should feel happy pretty much whatever the deal ends up being. Fair enough. Now, uh, some junior action over the weekend in the under-19s uh, in the Sanford and the Waffle Guys. Uh, the Sanford under-18s grand final, Woodville West Torrens defeated Glenelg and in the Waffle East Fremantle knocked out East Perth and Claremont beat Swan Districts uh, and both those teams obviously go through to the grand final there. How did uh, you guys see this? Yeah, so um, the the Waffles are five-team final. So what's happening is that Swan Districts finished top of the table and Claremont uh, won their fixture the week before, which gave them the opportunity to beat Swans after the Swans had the bye. And then, um, yeah, wh whoever won that game was going straight through to the grand final and that's ended up being Claremont. So now Swan Districts will verse East Fremantle. Um, in what is, I guess, their prelim. And it'll be pretty exciting, I think... Uh, the former Swan Districts for the year, they finished top, but, you know, a lot of the PSA kids that East Fremantle were missing out on have come back into the team and made an immediate impact. So it should be a really exciting game next week. It's going to be annoying for the SAWA game, though, because with East Fremantle having all their star players that are prioritising some of the waffle and whatnot. Yeah, um, I, I know uh, there's sort of like a preliminary team list on uh, the Sports TG website, if you can be bothered searching that up. And they brought in uh, a lot of under-17 representatives up into the squad to play. So um, Sam Gilby from WA is one that's come in that's got some high wraps. And then all the 19s from teams that are out of finals or not playing rather next week have, have had their representatives br brought in. So guys like... Oscar Armstrong, who didn't play that first game versus SA, are going to get the opportunity this Saturday. So it is a, it is a big game coming up uh, before the grand final, uh, the curtain raiser that they're having between SA and WA. Uh, looking forward to that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, these opportunities have been so limited over the last couple of years. I think anything you get is exciting. And on Friday, we're going to see Tasmania versus Queensland. And at some stage, we'll see Tassie versus Northern Territory as well. So... That'll be good, but, you know, equally for SA, we've spoken about the um, WA-17s coming in. The SA uh, under-17s coming in are really good, and one of those is going to be Adam DeLoya, who in the Sandful under-18s grand final won best on ground after, I think he had something like 22 disposals or something like that, which as a 17-year-old is pretty impressive at that level. Yep. Um, all right, and so there was an under seven, uh, some under-17s uh, girls' footy action over the weekend. 
I'm given to understand one of you at least saw some of that. Yeah. Um, so they played in the NT and in Queensland. So there's actually been three games thus far, a couple for Queensland and one for the NT. And um, the better NT girls that are more sort of ready-made end up playing in the Queensland game because they want to see, test them uh, to see how they go against the stronger competition in Queensland. So, I mean, in terms of the Queenslanders, uh, yeah, they've got quite a good strong list coming through. Um, for directly next year, Gold Coast Suns have a, a talent called Alana G, who's a uh, very skillful, great decision maker. We've worked out she can kick either foot very, very well because, um, yeah, she can hit off her left or right, really skillful, someone that's going to be very, very exciting for the Suns in the future. Um, that midfielder, 169 centimetres, um, so she's one to watch. And, and the one for Brisbane is Charlotte Mullins, who is um, so that inside mid but can play defence, uh, can play forward as well, really, really versatile. Um, definitely name to keep uh, out for. Uh, yeah, Gold Coast have quite a few coming through, though, which is really, really exciting. They've got a lot of forwards that are um, potential uh, future talents, uh, which is really exciting. Uh, Nayali Milne is someone who's an 06er, so they're playing some 06ers in these games, um, and she's just got elite speed, like, just takes off, is absolutely outstanding, um, definitely one for the future, uh, but the one that I, you know, already a massive fan, and I'm locking her in for the best of 06, uh, based on very limited, uh, coverage from any other state, because they haven't really unveiled them much, is Tara Harrington, uh, who's the sister of Cody, who plays uh, in the under-17s and also made the 19s um, Queensland. So uh, she's someone who just has the full package, uh, you know, great overhead, uh, skillful, great decision-making, can play basically anywhere, really strong, really smart. Um, yeah, she's got very few flaws in her game. And, yeah, she only turned 15 earlier this year. So she's still got another three years till the, uh, the draft. So... Uh, it's an exciting time, and she's sort of, uh, you know, it's symbolic of what's happening with the women's footy. It's getting stronger and better. It's going to be very exciting, and I love that we're still having some games like rep footy at this stage because it's been a tough year for a lot of the girls, and unfortunately for some, um, I talked to one girl today, um, Imogen Evans, who unfortunately, even though she's Suns Academy, is from the Northern Rivers region uh, in New South Wales, and uh, it meant that she's actually in lockdown at the moment, so she can't actually play. Uh, so it's been pretty tough on them because a lot of people this year have either been, like when you're involved with a footy team, you're either all in lockdown or you're not, and no one's in lockdown. But unfortunately with the Suns, they've got some people who are in lockdown and can't play while the rest of the team can. So uh, it's unfortunate for her. Um, there's a few others that are in the same boat, but um, she's definitely one of their uh higher prospects and un unlucky for her but um yeah it was a really great action between the two games they're both on youtube well worth watching um and yeah th there's a lot of talent building uh definitely more depth to it than in previous years so for queensland footy it's quite exciting they've got the tassie girls coming up too which will be really good along with you know tassie boys are all trialing out and everything so uh, all that'll be really, really good. Northern Territory have another game coming up as well, uh, and then that'll pretty much wrap up the uh, representative footy uh, for the year, aside the under-19s that are playing grand final day. But, um, yeah, it, it's kind of a bit difficult then. 
because uh, you can't really do too much. I know Queensland Tassie will combine and, and go against SA and whatnot in the under-19 boys. But from a girl's perspective, it'll wrap up their season and it'll, yeah, you'll get stuck into sort of pre-season when they can for their respective states. But it's it's going to be a big year and get stronger each year with uh, the expansion there. PM Bangers, anything to add? No, I think it's hard to add anything to that. Very comprehensive and, um, you know, made me a little bit more excited for watching both the games again. Alrighty. So we're going to move on to the teams, the main the main attraction for the podcast this week, as it were. And uh, first off, we're going to have a look at Geelong, who finished fourth after the finals were done. Uh, ben Jarvis and Cameron Tarney have been delisted. Josh Jenkins has retired. And uh, we believe Nathan Kruger and Jordan Clark are possibly going to be leaving. Guys, what do they need, and uh, who's going to fit uh, the bill uh, for them? It, it's easy to say that they need young talent, but they've actually got quite a bit looking at their list, especially uh, up forward and down back. So I guess the short answer is young midfielders, but the long answer is they need just young players that they're actually going to play, um, which has been a bit of the issue, and we've seen that with, with Jordan Clark and... Uh, Nathan Kruger, who you know are allegedly looking for moves out, is that if you don't play that good young talent that you've got, then you, you're probably going to lose it. So, um, you know, whether they can pick up guys that are going to be able to impact straight away at the picks that they've currently got is, you know, it's a little bit hard to say uh, this far out. But they've got, I think it's three second rounders at the moment. So they'll be able to get in some guys that are, yeah, they'll be speculative, but you know, if they can hit two of those second rounders, then that'll end up being good for them. And, you know, I think midfielders that might be around that range, you know, there's guys like uh, Judson Clark, who's, you know, maybe more of a small forward at the next level, but he's good. He's got some, you know, good speed and agility to him. Corey Warner, the brother of Chad, has done really good things at East Randall and uh, Fremantle and in his PSA games. Connor McDonald from the Dandenong Stingrays is a really good sort of in and under player, um, you know, if Angus Sheldrick from WA is around, he should be one that they probably consider. Um, Brady Hoff is sort of one of those athletic guys that looks like he could bolt up the order um, later on in the piece. But, you know, if he's available, he's definitely one to look at. You know, Hugh Jackson from South Australia might be one that they look at for the midfield. So there'll be options there. Um, but again, it, it's more about playing them, I think, than it is about just getting them on the list. All right. Uh, so we've got a few questions uh, from the board this time. Uh, Catch of the Future would like to know, should Geelong focus mostly on midfield talent given there's more depth up forward and back? Uh, yeah, I'll probably address this. But yeah, sort of uh, if, if they're going to play it, then yes. If they're not going to play it, then you should just go for the best young talent that's available at their picks. You'd also like to know uh, who are some of the best mids in the... Well, who's, who are some of the mids in the draft with clear second positions they can play? So I guess they uh, don't know where else they can play besides me. <laughs> yeah, so Judson Clark, who I mentioned, would be a good one. He's, um, you know, he can play as a small forward as well. Um, you know, Cooper Murley is one that can also play up forward. Blake Howes, who is at the moment more of a forward but looks like he will transition into a midfielder, could be available around there. Um, Kai Lohman from the GWV Rebels, who I know has a lot of fans on the board. He could be one. Uh, sorry, I'm just looking through like my list here. Um, you know, Josh Brown from East Fremantle, he's played mostly midfield this year, but he has played as a defender previously. So he could be one. Um, 
you know, Jai Sarong, who I know EDPS is a big fan of, he's played midfield forward and back. So, you know, he could be really good utility to bring on. But, yeah, it sort of looks like around that region, it's going to be more players that are uh, specialist midfielders than guys that can fill out a second position. All right, and Cat to the Future, who has many questions to ask, apparently, uh, would like to know that, uh, well, he'd like to ask, should the Cats management make reassurances to Jordan Clark about his playing time uh, to hold on to him, even if it's just for another year? Um, yeah, I, I really rate him. Uh, I know that he's got his deficiencies in his game, which are more uh, defensive running. I think that's the biggest one. So I think that's, that's something that you can probably uh, accommodate for, given... You know how good his speed is and how good his ball use can be and he adds something that they don't really have on the list so you know i rate him but i think uh it, it's become sort of increasingly more obvious over the year that they either don't or they don't think that his weaknesses are, are you know are at a level where he can play at afl level okay and and cat to the future's inquisition finally ends with are daniel talia types good targets to get on as playing or development coaches uh, yeah, so it, it's an interesting one, and uh, I know that there's a few rumours on already official moves of Geelong assistant coaches moving on. So maybe a Daniel Talia type. I'm not sure if it would be him specifically, but you know some of those older guys with known leadership qualities that are you know being delisted or going to be able to be brought in cheap would be good to bring in. Um, you know to sort of nurture the next wave of talent coming through. But you know then that sort of plays into the stereotype of Geelong really like their old players and aren't interested in you unless you're over 30. So it's probably a bit of a um, lose-lose situation. What, what, what about Levi Casbolt? Would he fit the Daniel Talia role they're talking about here? Oh, look, you know me. I'm <laughs> Levi Casbolt's biggest fan and I wanted to bring him up. I did, but I can't show too much bias on the show. <laughs> uh, but absolutely, I'd be throwing everything in their salary cap at him. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so finally, uh, non-academy kids, Tom Brown and Sam Brewer, uh, evidently ineligible father's sons, my notes tell me. Yeah, so um, they don't have any... Oh, jeez, that sounds harsh coming right out, but they probably <laughs> don't have any um, academy kids that are going to be in the draft frame. So I thought it would be worth talking about Tom Brown and Sam Brewer, who uh, I'm, I'm not sure on their father's names, but I am assured that their fathers did play for Geelong. So... Um, Tom Brown's from the Murray Bush Rangers and, and he's an athletic um, halfback and, you know, he's got some speed and he's got a really good leap and a, a good kick, maybe a bit like a Jordan Clark, funnily enough. So um, he could be one that they could look at uh, with one of their second rounders and Sam Brewer probably isn't as high up on draft boards, but he's, uh, he's a sort of reliable defender, you know, real sort of won't give his opponent an inch and then when he goes into the midfield, he's just a tough in an under player. He, he wins the ball and feeds it out. And, you know, it's, it's nothing too complicated, but he does it well. So I think there'd be worse picks than him they could take later on in the draft. Hmm. Now, PM Bangers has made all the running here, Pie for Life. Do you want to add anything to this? Uh, look, he's done a fairly good job. I, I was a bit nervous leaving <laughs> it in his hands, but um, no, he's, he, he's done a fairly good job. A, a real lack of uh, Neil Erasmus talk, though, so a bit disappointing there. Well, <laughs> I'd love to see what Geelong could uh, muster up in a trade to get a pick high enough for him. Too late now. You can't You can't involve him now. You, you've blown your chance. Three, three I'll, second I'll never rounders. Be invited on again. 
they 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 could trade up. They they won't, yeah, well, but they could. <laughs> what's the classic trade trade hypothetical? Is people will package together like five fringe players and ask for a first round in return? I think that could work. Well, that's uh, yeah, that sounds like what GWS did to Carlton a few years ago. <laughs> um, Port Adelaide guys, uh, they finished third after the finals. They've delisted Joel Garner and Hamish Hartlett. Tom Rockliffe is required. Uh, sorry, retired, not required. Uh, Peter Ladhams uh, has been asked to look at alternatives, I believe. Um, what do they need and who fits? I mean, yeah, like, I mean, looking at Port, I, I quite like their list. I think what they've been building the last few years is really, really exciting. So for me, I don't think they need a great deal. They generally, when they were at their best, they were unbelievable. Like, we, they were clearly a premiership uh, contender and unfortunately they just had a really shocking preliminary final um they've got the young talent in there so they're almost like sort of that opposite to geelong in the sense that they've got so much young talent they're trying to fit them all in um and the players that they do have retiring or you know coming to the end of their career i know they've got a couple like obviously rockcliffe is gone hartlett's going and whatnot um but they've got those players that eventually like your butters and your dersmas and all that that will eventually become those more full-time midfielders that can really um, impact a game uh, through there and, and, and just keep building. So um, I, I think they're one of the teams that's in the best possible spot where they're sitting because they can kind of afford to go for, uh, you know, best available. They've got Jace Burgoyne, who we'll talk about a bit after, um, sitting there that they'll be able to bring in as well um, to add to that young crop. But definitely someone who I think that, um, you know, has a lot of potential. So, um I don't think, to answer it short, I don't think they really need anything particular. Like, they're not lacking in an area. Obviously, with Laddams going, they might get another tall in that they could um, fit along there. Dixon's obviously getting a bit older now, so um, they could look for that key position type. But, I mean, they've got Georgiatis, who's come through and done that. Um, had a pretty exciting year, even though he's not um, as key position as some others. But, he's you know, he, he's very exciting. And I think that... They do have the, the overall game, like overall uh, team style. They brought in Alira Alira, obviously. So they're in that frame for a premiership. Um, so for me, I think they're more looking at if they can add little things uh, more experienced to go that step further, make the grand final win a flag, um, because they've already got the young kids in there. So they don't have to be in the position of Geelong where they um, have rolled the dice and they know that if they don't get it, they're, they're going to sort of drop away. Port have that young crop already in there after they sort of not bottomed out, but they you know fell down and and were able to get all those picks in. So uh, yeah, I'm really excited what Port can do in the coming years. And um, yeah, I, I think they don't need a great deal. I think they'll just be able to go best available. Mm. I don't think it's necessary to ask any of the questions on my notes after that. So um, yeah, anything to add, PM Bangers? Uh, no, not not really. I think. You know, when Pythal Life speaks, he does it well, doesn't he? So, um, covered pretty much everything, and, and I agree. I think, you know, they've, they've got the young talent there, and unfortunately, you know, not every young player is a superstar right away. So it's probably just more a, uh, a case of waiting and trying to nurture their development as much as you can rather than constantly stacking on more young talent. And I mean, they did finish third, so I mean, it's it's not a bad position to be in going forward. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know. um, and, you know, they're sort of, yeah, just unlucky they came up against the Dogs team that was so good at fighting back when their backs were against mm. the wall. And just lastly on this, uh, Jason Burgoyne, 
uh, father-son prospect there for Port. Uh, what's he looking like? Look, he's a mid-draft prospect at this stage, like sort of that late second, more likely third-round selection. Um, just sort of thinking that um, we were sort of saying off-air, uh, PM Bangers were saying won't get a bid before 40, which is probably about right. I, I, I can't see a bid coming in before 30, definitely. It'll um, definitely be that post-30. And father-sons generally go a bit later as a rule of thumb. It's the NGAs that clubs like to take him earn it. Um, but, you know, I, I think that he'll probably end up in that third round. Port will take him. So they'll get another pick or two in at least before him. Um, and, yeah, he, he'll end up good value. He's got good potential. He's still got a few things, a bit raw. Still makes mistakes and things like that. But, he's you know, he, he finds a fair bit of the ball. And, obviously, his dad, Peter's a, a pretty talented player so um got a lot of upside and I, I think it'll be great for port considering port are such in the scheme of things a, re- a really young club i think from memory jackson mead was their first father son potentially um and so they don't have a lot because obviously they only started 97 and there are those rules with sample you need 200 or whatever um but to get another father son in is really really good especially after tash Schofield came in last year they've had mead so um, they're getting a fair bit of them. They're certainly um, their original players have certainly been really good at, uh, yeah, um, bringing in kids, I guess. Awesome. Uh, anything to add there, uh, Pam Bangers, before we move on? No. Again, when he Sticks. speaks, he speaks well. He's the doyen of this podcast, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> As we like to do here towards the end of the draft cast, it's time for Neil Erasmus watch. And uh, I've been I've been looking around the boards today, guys, and I'm unimpressed because uh, oh, I, no. I noticed I noticed uh, I got linked by uh, PM Bangers earlier today uh, a, a, a mock draft from earlier in the year, and uh, Neil Erasmus picked 21 <laughs> in the mock draft by Davo 27. What what the hell happened there? Yeah. Um... Real feather in the cap for Dave. I've, I've got to admit, he was the first on the board talking about a Neil Erasmus all the way back. Uh, I think at the, the grand final in the Waffle Colts last year, he uh, started pumping him up. So that's a, a good find, and it was a good uh, pickup in that mid-season draft, which, yeah, we, we were going over it before you jumped into the call, Wookie, and there's uh, yeah, a few few interesting calls in there that I think... <laughs> Not, not, not a lot of people will be happy to look back on. So he's, he's, he's not going to go up pick 21? Is that what you're saying? He'll go later? If he got to GWS's second first round pick and we didn't take him, I would microwave my membership. <laughs> uh, and we're, we're, we're still having no luck getting him on the podcast at the moment. Um, we, yeah, haven't, we, haven't, we haven't tried. We haven't reached yeah. out to him or anything. <laughs> But, I was uh, going to say, usually people follow up those sorts of things, but not through lack of trying. This is a complete lack of trying. Um, just no effort on our part at all. In fact, frankly, I think we'd scare him at this point. I was going to say, it's probably a little bit sus if uh, one of us tried to message him on Instagram, given our age. Um, so it's, it's probably best that we're not pursuing that so heavily. But um, I'm not sure if I mentioned last week. So he, I, I would have mentioned that he's had a corked quad uh, for the past month or so, I believe. And apparently and this is you know I, I can't say that this is from an official source or anything but apparently that's uh had some complications so we probably won't see him for the rest of the year unfortunately that that is unfortunate indeed uh lastly before we go guys grand final this weekend 
Uh, who's winning? Uh, uh, look, I, I have been a really, really bad jinx this final series. So I would hate to do anything to Melbourne fans after their long-awaited um, mm. premiership drought. So I'm picking the Bulldogs uh, <laughs> simply so Melbourne can win because otherwise they will not win if I tip Melbourne, I guarantee you. So I'm going Bulldogs. Sorry, Bulldogs fans, but, you know, they need it more. Well, I'll, I'll throw another two questions to you, uh, Pi, and I'll get you to answer all three of them, Wookie, because <laughs> l- looking to make some money off the grand final. So who do you reckon kicks the first goal and who do you reckon wins the norm? Uh, well, see, again, uh, I don't want to jinx them. If I was to think about it, I'm, I'm leaning towards Aaron Norton to kick the first goal um, and probably Petrarca to win the medal. But in my parallel universe, I don't want to jinx them, so I need a Bulldogs to win it, um, I would say, unless they're going to do a Buckley. Um, and if I was a Bulldogs fan, I reckon it'll be a forward if they do get up. I think it'll be like a Cody Waitman or a really random one, Rock Smith. Oh, Ooh. That'd be oh. a feel-good story after all these one-year deals yeah. as well. you know what? So if Rourke Smith wins the Norm Smith, you heard it here first on this podcast. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to go for Max Gorn to kick the first goal. Uh, just because I like Gorny. And uh, Matt Stevick to win the Norm Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Big Footy to melt down about 10 seconds after uh. the grand final is done. <laughs> nah, in all, in all seriousness, footy will be the winner over the weekend. Very uh, diplomatic of you. It would be great <laughs> if uh, Gorney kicked the first goal by pulling it out of the ruck and just bombing it 80-odd metres. <laughs> well, you know, strange. You might start at full forward. They might throw something into the mix. You never know. Isn't that more a Bevo move to pull <laughs> out those real shock selections? <laughs> I don't know. I... I, I... It should be at work when this game's going on. So, anyway, I think that's about it for this weekend. Uh, for well, for this week's podcast. Yeah, we've, we've nailed it. We've 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 pulled another one out. Uh, next week, last two teams, or yes, 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 and Western then, Bulldogs and Melbourne. It's probably safe to say those two teams. Yeah, yeah. It's unlikely to be any other teams in the meantime, unless like Tasmania gets in like over the course of the week and starts putting out a draft or something. Anything uh, could happen. I mean, the, the commission have already said they're not going to decide anything till next August, so it's not going to happen. <laughs> but anyway, um, but that's it, guys. Thanks very much, uh, Pie for Life and PM Bangers. Yeah, no worries. And, uh, another one. Yeah, yeah. And, and thanks to Cat to the Future for his mini Inquisition there in the middle. Uh, we need the fans. We need the fans to ask questions because I'm absolutely no good at coming up with them myself. <laughs> And as always, a big thanks to uh, Bigfoot's own Neil Erasmus, uh, who is hopefully resting at home and gearing up for a big year next year. And that's all we've got. We'll see you next time.